0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. If you have one of these bulletins, go ahead and pull it out on the front. You're going to find a few things to notice. We want to invite uh, those that have been just kind of leaning in a little bit to Canby Foursquare Church next Sunday, We're going to be having a time where it's called Meet the Pastors. It's right after the second service. And so we want to invite you out there, hang out together, spend a little time. And then I think what we're going to do after that is usher you right into a discovery class that actually ends with a meal at our house. My Annette and I want to invite you to our home. We want to hang out. I know some of you, especially if you're just starting recently, you might have questions about who we are. Uh, I don't blame you. I would too. And so we want to make sure that we help satisfy some of those. Those questions and uh, get you into a place where we help answer those questions for you. So you're going to look at this. You have Meet the Pastors. We have a Wednesday night for women. It's going to be getting pretty soon here. And we also have an internship that we're taking applications for. So we want to invite our young leaders, our, our, uh, our teenagers to be looking into this, our young adults to be looking into this because this is a great opportunity. The internship is a great opportunity to find a way to really find purpose in your life. And we hear a lot about a gap year. We're hearing a lot more. About that, well, this provides help for you during that gap year, so uh, we want to help you as much as we can, and this is the way that we do it. So, good morning, everybody. Again, we got those announcements out of the way, there are good things going on, and a very happy, happy new year. Um, we are really looking forward to this year. There's a few things that are going on this Sunday and the following Sunday. We're going to take time and wrap up our study in the book of First John. How many have enjoyed First John? I have. I have, I, I tell you what, one of the things I've discovered about 1 John, and I, I don't mean to slight any other book or chapter in the Bible, but when anyone says, hey, what's the love chapter? Everyone goes, 1 Corinthians 13. I love 1 Corinthians 13, but if you really want to know the love book, look at 1 John. Because 1 John really unpacks love for us. And by the way, some of you may not be aware of this, but 1 John, uh, by most theologians, is considered to be his first book written. And so what happens after 1 John is he writes the Gospel of John. And you're going to find out there's some familiar things there, aren't you? So what John does is he writes 1 John, and then he writes the Gospel of John to unpack 1 John. So if you really want to get more elaborate in your study of 1 John... Then go to the Gospel of John, and you're going to hear him talk more about this love that, that that God has given so lavishly bestowed upon us. He talks about that all the time. That's his theme. That's the man. John talks a lot about love, and so just so you know, this is a, this is something that you can continue to dive into. You can study and look at, and I really do this. I love to enjoy. Uh, the start of a new year, the sense of exciting possibilities ahead. But here's what I want you to keep in mind. I said this last week. Good starts are good, but good finishes are even better. All right? Say that with me. Good starts are good, Good finishes are even better. In case you think I just made that up, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I mean, we talk about really a journey and pressing on and toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So this morning we continue our series, our teaching series, Radical Love. It's a study again in the book of 1 John. And if you remember, of all the people... All the apostles who were best qualified to tell us about love, radical love, it certainly is the Apostle John. He's known by others as John the Beloved. He identifies himself as the one who Jesus loves. I love that moniker. I love that label. Who are you? The one that Jesus loves. I mean, again, I'm going to challenge you to answer when someone asks you, who are you? Just say, I am the one that Jesus loves. Because it's absolutely true. It is absolutely true. You are the one that Jesus loves. So in his book, 1 John, uh, John does something for us that's probably a little bit unique. It's different than some of the other authors. He not only teaches us the theology of God's love, but his readers go away with this strong sense that John has this deep and strong, profound understanding of God's love for him personally. Do you get that when you read this book? You get this idea, wow, he's not just giving us theology, he's not giving us some things we can hold on to, like but we, and we can, but, but what we feel from, from John is he's lived it, you know? He's just telling you, hey, this is what I've lived, this is what I've experienced, this is my journey, this is my life, and so when we read the book of 1 John, we have this amazing sense that he knows exactly what he's talking about. That he's talking about how magnificent God's love is. How radically John's life was changed. And how radically your life can be changed through the love of Jesus Christ. See, John never wavers in describing the impact of God's love and that God is love. And We're going to hear that refrained again today. He wants to communicate how God has transformed him. And how he's transformed others. So John, what he does here is through the whole book, he peels back the layers of God's love through this book. Have you noticed that he, he says kind of the same things but in different ways? Have, have you picked that up? Well, that's just like a father. Now remember, he's, he's talking to you as a father and you're his children. And you know what fathers do? They, they repeat you know, don't, don't, do, don't do that, you know. And then they'll say over here, now, now, now don't do that. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I remember listening to my dad, and I said, Dad, you said that like two days ago. Like, that you said that to Yeah, well, I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again. And so John comes to us, and he says, I'm going to say it again. God loves you. He loves you because he absolutely loves you. He, he never assumes, John never assumes that his readers know everything about God's love. And that's why I think he addresses us as dear children. Do you get that feeling? He's coming to you and saying, don't, I don't think you know everything you really need to know. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you like a child. I'm going to talk to you as you're, you're my child. I'm your father. You can literally feel the excitement when you read this book. John has for us as we discover God's love for ourselves. There's this undertone of excitement, and he's, he's, he's just watching you, in essence. He's watching you discover God's love for yourself. And that always gets a father excited when he sees his kids do well. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always bragging on my kids and my, my grandkids because I'm, I'm saying, wow, they're doing well even when they don't do that well. I tell everybody they do because that's just the hope of a father. That's the father's heart. And you know the story's not done yet. You know the story about your life, the narrative being written right now might be a little dark for you, but it's not over. That's what's great. See, your your story hasn't been finalized yet. It's still being written. So don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. It's still being written. And and John's saying to us, man, I love you, and I want to see you experience this love that I've experienced. And so he he shows us that through this book. You know, what he's saying is, and isn't it true that when you have those life-changing moments, when you know your life will never, ever be the same, your desires change, your focus changes, your, your interests change from being all about you to being all about Jesus? And because Jesus has changed you, you want the same for others? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's really what John's doing, and that's what he want, wants to pass on to us, that when we have experienced life-changing, transforming love uh, through Jesus Christ given to us by the Father, what we end up doing is, is telling others, you know, hey, you can have this too. I, you know, there's one thing I want to tell you, and that is God loves you, and that he sent his son Jesus to save you. I love this. You know, all through the book of 1 John, John skillfully and passionately tells us about the gift of God's love. And it's as if he is watching his children kind of open the gift layer by layer. Because that's what 1 John does. He just keeps unpacking it for you. He keeps peeling it back. He keeps letting you see layer by layer uh, the love of God. I told you, I think, a few weeks ago that we had our Christmas time on Christmas Eve and, and my youngest grandson came over and he s- stood by me a couple times. He sat in my lap. I found out pretty soon that he was the designated present opener. And uh, so he sat on my lap and he wanted to open all my presents. And I wanted to help him a few times and he looked at me and said, No. No. So he, 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 he's unwrapping these presents. I got a I think a picture up here, Kathy, you can show that. He's unwrapping these presents. Now, now look how focused this kid is. And you know there's a few reasons you need to see this. One is because he's cute and he's my grandson. But he's actually doing something pretty productive here. He did this for probably an hour or so that he would take people's packages and he would methodically just start to unwrap. He wouldn't tear them, he wouldn't pull them apart, but he would just start unpacking it and layer by layer by layer. After a while I wasn't even really caring what was in the package. I was just having fun watching him open the package. You know, maybe that's just a grandpa's view. It's like, this kid is getting a whole lot out of just discovering, just pulling the package back, just pulling the wrapping off, then then taking the ribbon. He figured out how to pull the ribbon. He pulled that off. And then he figured out how to to open it and and, and then get into the present itself. And, And the joy that I had watching him do that uh, especially for my presence, that was fun. I didn't, need, I didn't need to open. I've opened a lot of presents. But I, I want him to experience what it's like to open that present. See, see, John's doing that with you. He said, I want you to know what it's like to be on the journey and this discovery of finding out a, about how much God loves you every single day, every single moment. He keeps talking to you about God's love, and you're just kind of peeling the, the package back. And, oh, look, look here, the present. Oh, look here, the present. But, but it's that journey of, of finding out what it is to know that God loves you. Jesus said this. He said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now you remain or abide in my love. The Gospel of John chapter 15, verse 9. Now I want you to look at 1 John chapter 4 with me for a minute. If you have your Bibles, you can pull out your Bibles, open them up to 1 John chapter for first uh, John is toward the end of the Bible, first, second and third John right, right before, Revelation, so you can find your way there. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the seat pockets in the building around this place, so you can pull one of those out. We also provide the scripture on the overhead, but we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. Mark left us off there last week at verse 12, and so what we're going to do is pick it up today. It's here that John really continues to unwrap God's love for us, and that's in John Four thirteen through twenty one now listen i wanna, I want to do something while you 're turning there with me in in chapter or 1 John chapter four I, I want you to keep something in mind it 's important that that whenever you open god 's word that you 're intentional, you keep some things in mind it's important that we understand the heart of what the author's saying here and, and I think you're picking that up with John and what he 's writing us and what he 's talking to us about. but when John talks to us about love. God's love for us, it's a radical kind of love. I want to come back to that. It's a radical kind of love. It's a love that goes way, way beyond our normal. It goes beyond our human understanding of what we think about love. It is really, it's a love that moves from emotion into motion. See, that's true love. Sometimes we we just define love in our understanding as it's an emotion that I have. It's a feeling that I have. And listen, that's not wrong. In fact, that's probably accurate and true. It's just not complete. See, it's not complete. God understands that. He created emotional beings. That's the way we've been created. Why? Because He has emotion. So God has this emotion well, what does he do? He puts it into motion. See, he completes it for us. And that's, that's really what you pick up here. He does it so much so that you can't use the phrase God's love without using the word sacrifice. Say sacrifice. I mean, you, you can't talk about God's love without talking about supreme, ultimate, sacrifice see I want to talk about love I want to talk about love in a lot of different ways but please don't bring in that word that S word sacrifice because because that means it's going to cost me something it's going to cost others something But John makes it very clear that when you talk about God's love, you must keep in mind and use the word sacrifice. And he says that going back again to his gospel. When you look at John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he put it in motion, took it out of emotion, put it into motion. How did he do that? He gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him, they would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. From emotion to motion. See, that's, that's true love. That's, that's agape love. So here's what John says in 1 John 4, verses 13 and 14, as he continues to press home that God's love is more than emotion. This is about love in motion. And he says this, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because... He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. What He felt in His love to you, He says, I'm going to put it into motion. And I'm going I'm to show you evidence of that. And, and the way that I'm going to do that, and the first thing He does here, it says here that He he puts into motion two things. One, he has given us his spirit that abides in us while we abide in him. So he says, here's my spirit. I'm serious about this love. He says, I'm sending you my very heart. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to live with you, to abide with you, so you can abide in me and I can abide in you. It's impossible absent of the Holy Spirit. It's the power and presence and infilling of the Holy Spirit that communicates to us that we are loved. And so what does he say? He says, I'm not going to just talk about love. I'm I'm not going to just feel love." I'm going to send you my very spirit so we can have this reciprocal abiding. Now, now I want you to know something. If you were reading this uh, you know, a couple thousand years ago when it was written and John said these words in verses 13 and 14, one of the first things you would think about as a, as a Jew, as a Hebrew, one of the first things you would think about, oh, he's talking about restoring the garden experience. That's what he's saying. So so you remember, in the garden, what happened before sin? They abided together. They spent time together. They had fellowship together. They had relationship together. And and that's what they did in the garden. And And then sin enters. And it fragments. It destroys. It separates This relationship that they had with God, it's it's not the same anymore. It's gone. And so what John is saying here, Jesus came to restore that abiding. To to restore your relationship with your Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. He says, now we have the freedom. He abides in us, we abide in Him. There's no safer place to be on the planet than to, to have this kind of experience. He's saying, I'm restoring what Was lost, what was broken. I'm restoring it through my spirit. It's the kind of abiding that that makes possible God's love for us and our love for Him. It's this abiding that, and hear this: it's this abiding that eliminates what is so profoundly evident today. Eliminates loneliness. Wow. You know, loneliness loneliness has always been a, a plague of of mankind. I mean, it, it was in the garden when, when, when God separated from the sin, still loved but separated. That there was, there, the loneliness was there. It was, there was something missing, something that wasn't there that should be there. And, and what I'll say and what the scripture says is, listen, in God's gospel, it says this. It says, I will not leave you. This is Jesus speaking. I will not leave you as orphans. Please you just get a hold of this. Another way to say it is, "I will not leave you parentless. I will come to you." In John fourteen eight, he says, "I will come to you." Why? Because you can't get to him. You're lost. <laughs> we can't find our way out of a paper bag, folks. I mean, you might think you can, but you really can't when it comes to this. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to understanding and knowing God's love, he says, I, I, need to send you my, I need to send you my spirit. And the reason I'm doing that is so that you can abide in me and I can abide in you and you don't have to live with loneliness in your life. It eliminates, it eradicates loneliness because you were never intended to be without parents. Wow, that's powerful. So the other reality of love in motion is this. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus came to us. Don't overlook this. Remember, we've talked about before, there is no way that we could get to Him. We've tried, and religious structures have tried. They've attempted to do that. All have failed. What this is about is is God's Son coming to us coming to where we are, coming into our life, and coming into our world. Jesus, in his own words, said, I came to seek and save the lost. He's here to seek us, to save us. So have you ever, anyone here ever experienced um, where you, you were literally lost, you've had that feeling? I'm not talking about in the city that you couldn't find your way around with your GPS. You know, I'm talking about a profound lostness where, I mean, you're out somewhere and and it's like, wow, I don't know if anyone knows where I am right now. It's it's a it's, it's a pretty uh, pretty scary thing, isn't it? If you've ever experienced that, if you've ever had that happen, uh, the only time I really came close to that was um, was I got um, uh, put on an airplane because there was a riot in an airport that I was. That I was in and this riot broke out and and these people at the airlines said, you know, it's not safe for you to be here. And I said, Yeah, really? And uh, they said, We need to get you on another airplane, and we need to get you out of here as quickly as possible. So I jump on this airplane and I had this weird, weird sense. Nobody in the world knows where I am. Annette did not know, my family did not know, you did not know, no one knew. I'm used to being connected. But no one knew. There's this just kind of a weird sensation of, man, I really am. I'm, I'm out there. Nobody knows where I am. Now imagine this, that you're lost. Imagine being found by someone whose sole purpose and reason was to rescue you because they loved you. That's Jesus. That's it. That was his purpose. I came to seek and save the lost. This is what Jesus has done for you, what he's done for me. So look at now at verses 15 and 16. I want to progress with you just a little bit here. This is about our response to that love. And it says this, beginning of verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And that, excuse me, and we have known and believed and And the love that God has for us, we believe in that, we know that. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. I want you to look at the word, in some translations it's a little different. Some say acknowledge, some say confess, some say declare, but it's right there. Look at that, it's in the very first verse that you're looking at here, verse 15. And I want you to look at this just for a minute, because our English word really doesn't Um, It it doesn't do this justice. In in fact, the Greek word carries more weight here. When you read it through the eyes of of a Greek person, a Greek scholar, the Greek language, it means you put your words to a deeply profound and transforming experience. That what Jesus has done for you is so real, you would die before you deny. Now, catch this with me. It's the same word when it says, and they confess Jesus. It's the same word that was used by the martyrs. It's equivalent to laying your life down. It's not, well, I I said it. I acknowledge it. We'll see you later. You know, sometimes we say that. Well, I acknowledge that. And that's how we take that word. This word goes so much deeper. It's actually, it's actually, and can be applied to like Stephen's martyr, Stephen's uh, being stoned to death. There was confession that came out of his mouth about Jesus Christ. That's the kind of confession it's talking about here. It's talking about, man, I've experienced Jesus Christ in so many different profound ways that I would, I would die before I ever denied that that didn't happen in my life. That's the impact and the power of that particular word. And you could hold on to that. Hold on to that. It deals with martyrdom. Laying your life down. And verse 16 is the second time in this chapter that we have had the definition, God is love. In verse 8 and verse 16, that all the other attributes of God flow through and are made real because God is love. Please hold on to that. You have joy today because God is love. Uh, You have uh, peace today because God is love. You have the fruits of the Spirit today in your life because God is love. It all flows from that. That's the fountainhead. God is love. God not only loves, he is love, and he cannot help but love. Don't know any other way to seam that in for you, to seal that. First, we we must know and rely on the fact that God loves. I think that's the first thing that you have to get a hold of. You have to know and rely on the fact that God loves. The second thing is we come to realize through relying on his love what, what is relying on his love? What's the reality of it? What's the motion of that? Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's, that, that's the reality of believing on his love. You're believing that he sent his son to you because he loved you so much that he died for you. And that his very nature is, is love. God is love. And the third thing we discover is that to live in God means to live in love. That's really what, what John is talking to us about. So now John goes on in verses 17 and 18 to tell us uh, how love displaces fear. And I'm just going to finish this up with you. It's how does love displace fear? In verse 17, love says, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love wow i want you to hear this again the word perfected do you see the word perfected it's the or the word complete For us, it means that love is being made complete, that it's in process. The root word there is the word teleos. It's the word that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross, and he he, he said it is finished, it is perfected, it is completed. You can't add or take away from the sacrifice. It is the perfect sacrifice for your sins, and it's found in Jesus Christ. It is teleos. So here is the making of teleos, being made perfect. There's a process that we go through. And he's saying that in this process you're growing, that you and I love God, uh, love the Lord Jesus, and love one another as brothers and sisters. Then that love will give us the boldness or confidence, and we will not fear any judgment. Now he's talking about the end day that when you stand before the throne because you have had love, you've allowed love to be perfected in you through Jesus Christ, through his spirit, there is a confidence that you have, not a cockiness, it's a confidence that you believed and you relied on the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he loved you. And the same would hold true with anything you face today. When you understand the love of Jesus Christ, the judgment, the criticisms, the things that come your way that really hurt, you know what I'm talking about? And they hurt us all and we can't say they don't. But what we can say is, you know, in Jesus Christ, I have confidence in his love. And in his love, he's shown me who I am and who my purpose is in life. And that criticism, that shame that comes my way, it starts to get extinguished because of the love of God growing in me. And the love of God that's growing in you. Listen, fear is the enemy of our soul. You know that, don't you? I mean, it's the ancient enemy. It's the ancient demon of your soul, and it does everything it can to keep you from enjoying your salvation. So, what would be the what is the opposite of love? People might say, "Well, the opposite of love is hate," but that's not the opposite of love. The opposite of love is fear, and the reason is is because fear always leads to hate. It always leads to hate. Fear when it grows. Fear when it's allowed to breathe. Fear when it's nourished by, by vain imaginations. When it's, when it's encouraged by, by things that you're doing in life, that fear will always lead you to despise someone, something, and maybe everybody ultimately. You can always trace it back to fear. We are people who have been birthed into a world where there's fear. That's why the most repeated phrase in the Bible is Jesus telling God's word, telling you and me, do not be afraid. So what I know here is that perfect love casts out fear, takes away fear. And John finishes here in verses 19 through 21 by giving us a recap. He says, now I don't want you to forget this. (laughs) You remember it's a dad, okay? Hey, hey, I don't want you to forget it. Hey, hey have, you, have you followed me in this lesson? Yeah, that's what he's saying here. Let, let, me, let me come back and repeat some things to you. He summarizes love here in verse 19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. Just bathe yourself in that for a while. Just let your soul bathe in that. Let your soul get soaked in. Let that soak in. We love him because he first loved us. Wow. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. (laughs) Can I tell you this? You're not going to get away from that when you read 1 John. (laughs) You think, well, can we just kind of slide on here? You know, Why does he, why does he want to talk about loving my brother or sister? Because I really don't like him right now. But he doesn't let you out from under the pressure there, does he? He keeps you there. And he says, listen, this is the manifestation, the ultimate manifestation of what it looks like to really love on this planet is you love your brothers and sisters. And there's no conditions there. You notice that? It doesn't say you love your brother and sister if they are nice to you. <laughs> Well, you love your brother and sister if they gave you a lot of gifts for Christmas. Or you love your brother and sister because they're loaning you a little money here and there. You love your brothers. No, it says love your brother and sister. End. God loves us first, and when we were unlovely. That's what I, I, I so appreciate about it. Don't miss this. Remember, we said that God came to us. Romans 5 says even further, it says, while you were still his enemy, he came after you to love you. In verse 20 is something that John has repeated several times. If you say that you love God and hate your brother, then you're, then what does he say? <laughs> you're a liar. Man, that's that's strong language. If I said that every Sunday like he did, there might be three of you left in the room. You know, it's just now, yeah, it's not a real good. Yeah, it's not not a great way to start a, a sermon or end a sermon. But it's true. When John says this is he when he says this, he's striking at the heart of hypocrisy. Can you hear? I want you to see this. He's striking at the heart of hypocrisy right here. You can say that you love God. You can do all the religious things to make others think that you love God. But where it really is going to show is how you love your brother and your sister. See, he's he's really wiping us out here. He's saying you can go through all the fancy motions and look like you're really a religious person. And you can pray out loud and lift your hand and sing songs and do all of that. People say, wow, that person really loves God. Well, maybe not if they don't love their brother. They don't love their sister. That's what he's saying. God's love for us and in us really sets us free to love our brothers just as God has loved them. He really has. There's something I want to do just to finish this morning. Last week, uh, when Pastor Mark was talking, he was talking about how often we set goals that kind of have everything to do with us. (laughs) You know, the goals that we set for New Year's about me, you know, not eating something or, uh, you know, not eating sugar or candy or, you know, uh, losing weight or going to the gym or walking 10 miles or doing all those kind of things. But typically all roads lead back to me. What real love is is when those roads don't lead back to you all the time, that it's really not about you. So I thought it'd be a, a good thing for us to do today and that we have these Connect cards. You can see them right in front of you. This is what, what I want to uh, this what I ask you to do today, is that you would fill out this Connect card and commit to pray for a brother or sister. It's not about you. It's not about, you know, our goals right now. It's really about, Lord, I want to pray for a brother and sister, a brother and sisters, or maybe it's multiple brothers and sisters. And when I say that, it can be in the faith, it can be people that are in your family, people that you know, friends, you get the idea. But you would write their name down. What you would do is you would sacrificially pray for them. You know how we know when we really make headway in our relationship with the Lord? Do you know how we know we really grow in our faith? It's not when you settle for doing the normal it really isn't like like i put goals in front of me but all these goals i put in front of me are kind of goals i can manage that you'll never grow you will absolutely never grow it's always taking that extra step that makes you uncomfortable that's where you grow that's where you grow in your faith that's where you grow in your prayer life that's where you grow in your giving and then I have learned that part over the years. We, we, we learn to give our tithe, our 10%, and then we'll sit down every year as we have this year and say, okay, is, are we comfortable with this? Yes, well, then we probably should step it up a bit. Because if we're comfortable with this, if this is something we can manage, we will never see faith explode in our lives. We'll never see... The, the, the miraculous. You'll never experience the extraordinary because you've re- relegated your life to be comfortable, to stay within the margins that you can manage. And everyone can manage different margins. So some of you might say, well, this is what I do. Yeah, well, you can manage it. It might be bigger and greater than everyone else around you, but you've written it down. You say, I'm going to do it because I, I can manage that. I'm going to ask you to do this, throw in some things in your life in the next few days, things that you can't manage, things that God's asking you to do that's that's above and beyond your uh, your ability, your resources, your level of comfort. Throw it out there. You want to have a, a wonderful year, you want to see God really work in your life, take that next step. I was telling someone the other day, what did you decide? They said, well, I decided on doing this. And I said, then do one step further. Just take one more step. Because that's where I get a little uncomfortable. And that's where I grow. That's where I'll always grow. So I'm going to ask that you take some of these cards and you fill these out. You take these home. Put them on your refrigerator. Put them on your Bible. Put them in the place you have devotion. And just start praying for someone else. And see what God does to respond to your goals when you pray for someone else. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Would you bow your head with me? I'm so glad that you, you came today. I really am. And I, I just want to do something before we leave today, and especially starting a new year. I just want to invite those here today that, that haven't experienced altogether the love of Jesus Christ in your life. And um, the reason you haven't is you haven't committed your life to follow Jesus Christ. You haven't committed your life to to live in faith, faith in Jesus Christ. I love what the Bible says. It says, all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. And today, I think one of the big things that God wants to communicate to us is salvation is His and He wants to give it to you. He came to seek and save those that are lost. And today, if you know in your heart of hearts that that you are lost. Uh, that you would admit that. That you would confess that and say, I am lost. I need the salvation of Jesus Christ in my life. If that, if that is true about you today, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I just want you to just lift your hand and say, Yep, that's me. I need the salvation of Jesus Christ in my life today. I'm not gonna call you out, I won't, I won't embarrass you, I won't do any of that. I just wanna make sure you have a chance to confess. Good. Good. We're gonna get something to you. Uh, keep your hand up if you would. Just keep your hands up just for a second. And we want to get this. We want to get this to you right over here. Or right over here on the on this aisle, um, and over here too, please. Yeah, I don't want you guys to miss anybody. Uh, good. Right here. Good. 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 Over there. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. There's 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 a number of us that just are saying, uh, yeah. I, I just need Jesus in my life, and right now. Um, you're going to recognize as we pray, you're going to recognize the reality of being found. That that this is amazing. His grace is amazing. His love is amazing. And so for those that lifted their hands, along with the rest of us, because we do this in community, um, I just want you to follow me in a very simple prayer. It goes like this. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I am lost... And you have found me. So today I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart. That you are my Lord and Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life. I desire to be part of fellowship. And grow in you. From this day forward. In Jesus name. Amen. Hey, would you just applaud the salvation of the Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canby4square.com.